the 2024 Super Rugby Pacific rosters have been released. Meanwhile, it's an historic weekend for Italian rugby. And, just as I was about to cancel my Peacock subscription, because the Rugby World Cup is over, the Japanese have stepped in and stopped me. Let's get to it. Hey everybody and welcome to the November 13, 2023 edition of the Rugby Report, your weekly recap and preview podcast of all things rugby. My name is Dwayne Burkhardt and in this episode, we'll head down under and check in on the approaching Super Rugby Pacific season. We'll also cover why my plans to cancel my Peacock streaming subscription have hit a snag. And finally, when we talk about the URC, we'll explain why it's a happy weekend in the Stallone household, because the Italians were stallions. But we will begin in the South Pacific, where the 2024 Super Rugby Pacific squads and schedule were unveiled this week, and, among other things, we learned that the 2024 season will begin with a bang on February 23rd, as the season opener is a rematch of last year's incredibly controversial grand final between the Waikato Chiefs and the Christchurch Crusaders. Also confirmed this week is that round two of the season will once again be the Super Round, with all 12 teams gathering in Melbourne for a six-match confab at Amy Park, or, as I call it, Seagull Stadium. Looking at the rosters, I'll have a quick look at New Zealand and Moana this week, and then the Aussies and Fiji next week. I'll start today with the Auckland Blues, who once again enter the season both loaded with talent and hobbled by absences. The Blues will have to go the entire 2024 season without All Blacks Bowden Barrett, Nipo Laulala, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, and Tom Robinson. Barrett, in particular, is one of the many players who is taking a year off from Super Rugby to play up in the Japan One League. Still, despite the losses, the Blues will still have six of the All Blacks who just returned home from the World Cup on their roster, and five more former All Blacks. So, once again, expectations will be high. On the other side of the league, last year's cellar dwellers, Moana Pacifica, a team that played radically better than their record, but it is the record that counts, so new coach Tana Umaga has cleaned house, and the 2024 squad has 20 new players on the roster including, most notably, superstar all-black Julian Savia, whose mere presence in a Pacifica jersey virtually guarantees a better performance in 2024. Of course, not all the faces are new, as now 36-year-old and longtime veteran fly-half Christian Leliafano will lace up his shoes one more time, and I, for one, will be cheering him on when he does. Elsewhere in the league, the Waikato Chiefs, a team that was arguably robbed of the title last year, will have to wage their 2024 campaign without superstars Sam Kane and Brody Retallick, both of whom are also headed to Japan, as well as Brad Weber and one of my favorite players to call out, Pitagas Soakula, as both of them are headed to France. The brightest spot for the Chiefs is, of course, the return of superstar and league MVP Damian McKenzie, as well as the return of Bay of Plenty standout Caleb Trask, who, unlike so many others, is returning from Japan. Meanwhile, down in Wellington, the Hurricanes will blow into the 2024 season without either of the Savia brothers. As I just noted, Julian has signed with Moana Pacifica, and Artie is headed to... 
Say it with me, folks. Japan. The Canes also lose veteran front rower Dane Coles, who has retired from play, but they will start the season with three, count them, three scrum halves on the roster as emerging superstar Cam Roygaard, veteran superstar TJ Perinara, and journeyman Richard Judd all vie for the number nine jersey this year. Proceeding south now, the Crusaders will start the 2024 season with some issues up front as stars Cody Taylor and Ollie Jaeger are out. Taylor is on sabbatical, and Jaeger has asked to be released from his contract. Making matters worse for new head coach Rob Penny, the Satyrs will play all of 2024 without the services of center Braden Enner, whose recent knee injury will sideline him for the entire season. And, of course, the Crusaders will somehow have to find a way to play without All Black, veteran superstar Scrum Half, and Rugby World Cup All-Star Richie Moonga, who is, again, let's just say it all together, folks, headed for Japan. Finally, my Highlanders will begin 2024 as by far the youngest squad in the league, with so many new faces that even I am going to need a roster card for at least the first few weeks. Still, there are some veterans, most notably Jermaine Ainsley and Ethan DeGroote, who will anchor the front line, and pickups like Reese Patchell from the Scarlets in the URC, Tenyelo Talea, coming up from the Blues, and Tom Sanders, who is another exception in that he is actually returning from Japan. And of course, the 2024 season marks the beginning of the Falao Fakatava era in Dunedin, as Aaron Smith who is arguably still the greatest scrum half in the world, is leaving with fellow superstar Shannon Frizzell and not one, not two, but three other starters for, you got it, Japan. Which brings us to our next story. With this historic level of talent flowing from New Zealand to Japan right now, it really leaves rugby fans with only one question. How the heck do I stream and watch the 2024 Japan One League games? And, in the USA, that question has a frankly annoying answer. Over the last several years, Flow Sports has increasingly become the go-to streaming service for quality rugby viewing in the United States. But just when you thought it was safe to save a few bucks a month by cutting out one of the gazillion monthly fees that we're now all paying, Japan One announced that they have signed a deal with Peacock for the 2024 season, which of course, begins late next month. So, if you were like me and just about to punt the multicolored bird to the curb now that the World Cup is over, well, hold your credit cards, people. It looks like we're stuck with the mostly flightless fowl for a few more months. Now, let's talk about round four in the URC, because you are not going to believe some of the things that happened this weekend. And we are going to start with THE shocker. And I have never been more amazed to utter these words because I really thought I was nuts when I made this call last week. But, as I predicted, Zebra Parma, a team that has not won a URC game since April of 2022. That's right, they haven't notched a single win in more than a year and a half. They have ended their drought against the Oh my god, what has gone wrong in Durban Sharks? Zebra came into this game with a frankly high-powered offense, but no ability to stop their opponents. The Sharks, on the other hand, as I noted last week, 
have been more like minnows this season. And sadly, it did not get better for them in Stadio Sergio. Still, the Sharks were able to do something that no other team has done so far this year in that they did contain the Zebra offense, which didn't score a try all night. But the Sharks, who pulled out to an early 10-3 lead and led 10-6 at the break, couldn't score again. And Zebra just kept chipping away and chipping away. And finally, with 14 minutes to play, a penalty gave them their first lead since the opening minutes. And from there, all they had to do was hold on. And for the first time in 18 months, that is exactly what they did. It's hard to describe the pandemonium that erupted as time expired and Zebra kicked the ball into touch. But grown men were weeping, both on the field and in the stands, as the longest drought in the URC came to a frankly shocking end. The full-time score, Zebra 12, Sharks 10. Meanwhile, over in Ireland, Ulster hosted Munster in a game that at least started the way I predicted, but it sure didn't stay that way. The Munster men leaped out to a 14-3 lead in the opening 20 minutes, but Ulster would not give up and would not go away. And, at home, their defense shut the door on Munster. And their offense did just enough, breaking through and taking their first lead at the 63-minute mark, and then sealing the deal just minutes later. And just like that, Ulster bounced back at home and took down the Munster men. The full-time score was Ulster 21, Munster 14. And finally, on Friday night, a game that went as I predicted, even though that meant that one of my favorite teams went down. My Cardiff Blues fell to the Pretoria Bulls 12-18 in this game, but full credit to the Bulls in this one. They deserve the win, and the fans really should check out the highlight reel of this game, because one of the Bulls' tries was just plain pretty to watch, no matter who you were supporting. Saturday's action began in Benetton, and this, my friends, is where we really go off the rails. Because the last time that both Italian teams won a URC game on the same weekend was so long ago that, well, I can't even find a source on the internet that says it's actually ever happened before. So please, if it has, send me an email and I will correct myself. But in any case, the point is that it is a rare occurrence. But as I noted in the intro, the Italians were stallions this weekend, and Benetton, the team I anointed as the cardiac kids of this season, did it again. And folks, at this point, I honestly don't know what the heck is going on with this team, but a team with this much fight, this much defensive determination, and this much just plain luck is a team that I think we really do now have to be watching out for for the rest of this season. The Stormers left four points on the field in this one, and that did make the difference, but the bottom line is that Benetton is playing some great rugby. Full-time score, Benetton 20, Stormers 17. Next up, a game that I thought was going to be a walk in the park for the Glasgow Warriors, but it turned out to be anything but as the Ospreys gave the bagpipe boys all they could handle in Wales. The struggling Ospreys actually led in this game for a good portion of the first half and took a 10-7 advantage into the sheds. 
But in the second half, the Warriors got serious and battled their way back into the game. Still, the Ospreys did not make it easy and battled them all the way. They even retook the lead with just seven minutes to play. But that's when the Warriors put their foot down. Well, Weir's foot anyway, as his kick in the 76th minute gave them a one-point lead. The Warriors scored again at the buzzer to make the game look a little less scary than it was, but in the end, the Warriors escape with a win. The full-time score, Ospreys 23, Warriors 31. Later in the day came another game that ended the way I predicted, but didn't go the way I predicted, as the shockingly 0-3 Lions roared in to play the Scarlets. The Scarlets jumped out to a 10-0 lead in this game and actually led for a significant majority of the game. But the Lions really are better than their record, folks. And when it looked like they might lose their fourth straight game, they rallied late, scoring 10 straight in the last 10 minutes to finally win a close one. Give credit to the Scarlets for a great effort, but the full-time score was Scarlets 23, Lions 24. And finally, on Saturday night, it was Scotland versus Ireland, and in my household, youngest daughter versus father, as a much-improved Edinburgh team hosted the top-of-the-table Connacht. Well, they were top-of-the-table. This was actually a pretty entertaining game to watch, and frankly, from the beginning, kind of looked like it was going to be Edinburgh's night. Connacht struggled to find their groove throughout the first half in particular, while Edinburgh looked comfortable and in control. Still, the Scots led just 7-0 at the half. But in the second half, as it has been all season so far, the luck was with the Irish, and Connacht methodically battled their way back into the game. And with just five to play, Connacht finally tied the game, and for a brief moment... I hoped that we might have our second draw of the year, but it was not to be. The Scots drove the field in the closing minutes, and as time expired, Ben Healy kicked a perfect drop goal, giving Edinburgh and my youngest daughter bragging rights for the entire next week. Full-time score, Edinburgh 25, Connacht 22. Congratulations, Sky. And then, this morning, a game that ended up exactly as I predicted, but it was actually a lot closer than the score indicates. The Dragons faced off against Leinster in just plain miserable conditions at Rodney Parade in Wales. It was cold, it was raining, and the ball really was, in the words of one of the announcers, like a bar of soap. The conditions made it just about impossible for either team to keep their feet in the scrum, which made the ref and the players unhappy and led to a very low-scoring, but frankly very competitive, first half. The Dragons' defense really did play well in this game. But every time they made the smallest mistake, Leinster was able to capitalize. And they did. Just before the half, a blown lineout led to a breakaway by Leinster and a devastating try, making it 14-3 at the break. And then Leinster scored in the opening seconds of the second half. And I would tell you that the score took all the steam out of the Dragons. But if you watched the game, you saw nothing but a cloud of steam surrounding all the players throughout this game. And the fact was that, again, full credit to the Dragons, they did not give up. Still, 
They made critical errors, and Leinster turned just about every one of them into points. And the full-time score was an ultimately predictable Dragons 10, Leinster 33. Somewhat unbelievably, that makes me 5-3 and three for the week and 21-10 and 10 overall for the season. Looking ahead now to round 5, the action will begin Friday night when Ulster will host the Lions. As I've noted, the Lions are a better team than their record. But so is Ulster. And at home, Ulster wins this game, and the Lions slump to 1-4. and four. Also on Friday night, Zebra, coming off their first win in 18 months, will host my Cardiff Blues in a game that is surprisingly hard for me to call. My Blues are struggling mightily, and the fact is that Zebra is playing pretty well right now. I won't be surprised if my Blues come in and clean the Zebra's cage, but I'm going way out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that Zebra goes on its first winning streak in years and they will take this game at home. Finally, on Friday, Edinburgh hosts the Pretoria Bulls, and I'm just not sure at all who's going to win this game. The Bulls can be explosive on offense, but Edinburgh, as I've said, is a much improved side, and I have underestimated them more than once this season. So I'm going with my daughter here and predicting that Edinburgh will win this game. Saturday's action will begin in Durban, South Africa, where the Sharks, who have been harpooned repeatedly so far this season, will finally return home. Unfortunately, they're returning home to face Connacht, a team that will be really upset about their narrow loss to Edinburgh last week. Look for the Sharks to play better at home, but I have to believe that Connacht wins this game. Next, It's an all-Welsh affair as the Dragons host the Ospreys in a game that could be a really good game between two relatively evenly matched squads. I was impressed by both of these teams last week, despite the fact that they both lost, and I can see this game going either way. But I just feel like the Ospreys have a slight edge, and they will slay the Dragons on the road. Next up, Munster hosts the Stormers in a game that I think will set the direction for both of these teams going forward. The Stormers are still waiting to realize their potential this season, while Munster has been all over the map in terms of their play. Honestly, I have no idea how to call this game. It's a total toss-up. Even statistically, these teams are just about dead even. But Munster will be at home and coming off a disappointing loss so I'll give the slight edge to them. Munster bounces back at home and calms the storm. Also on Saturday, the Glasgow Warriors, a team that is clearly on a mission to drive me crazy this season, will host Benetton, my now-anointed cardiac kids team of the season. This game hinges on the answer to one key question. Which Glasgow team will show up for this game? Separately. Will Benetton have enough gas to go 80 minutes against Glasgow? No, they won't. Look, I have really enjoyed watching Benetton play this season, and the Warriors have comparatively driven me a bit mad. But at home, I'm going with Glasgow. Warriors win. Finally, also on Saturday, that's right, there is no Sunday game next weekend, so plan accordingly. 
Leinster will host the Scarlets in a game that Leinster had better win handily. And I think they will. Leinster wins. Finally today, turning now to the Premiership, Bath broke their two-game losing streak by beating Gloucester 45-27. The Sale Sharks made it two in a row as they beat the Bristol Bears into submission 27-13. Leicester dropped their second in a row while the Harlequins continued their win streak, although that game really was close throughout. Full-time score 29-25 to the Harlequins. And finally, this morning, the Saracens pummeled struggling Newcastle 50-12. Ow! And moments ago, the Exeter Chiefs fell on the road to the Northampton States. The full-time score there was Saints 34, Chiefs 19. And once again, folks, that is all the more time we have for the November 13, 2023 edition of the Rugby Report. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell all of your rugby friends about our show. And until next time, remember that my therapist says that the only way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what you start. And that's why I've chosen to start eating this chocolate cake. See you next time. This episode of The Rugby Report is the 2023 copyrighted property of Narratives, LLC. It is intended for the free, private, and non-commercial use of its listeners only and may not be rebroadcast or retransmitted either in whole or part without written permission. Please email info at narrativesllc.com for more information.